I'm Ben Byes. And I'm Carly Byes. We've been married for 12 years and together for 15 and have two boys. This is our story of a controlling church and spiritual abuse and how it shook our relationship and clouded our view of God. Our desire is that our honest view of pain and trauma in relationships can provide hope and the courage to hold on when life does not turn out as planned. While also providing a dash of humor and loving banter. We are still working to find wholeness and we welcome you on our journey. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Welcome to our holiday edition of Biography. This is our Q&A episode. Um, so we reached out and got a lot of questions from you guys. Thank you for those of you who have participated. Um, and we wanted to do something a little bit different this week for Christmas, mostly because we really didn't have the time to sit and record and edit more of our story. <laughs> so this oh, felt dude. like a little bit <laughs> of an easier project, um, just being busy this week with Christmas and family and all of those fun things. Um, <clears throat> so should we get right into it? Let's do it. I will present the first question. Okay. And this is actually the most asked question. Yes. From even before far. we asked for questions. Mm-hmm. And it was what, in, to paraphrase it, what did your family think? Yeah. What did your parents especially think? Did they see any red flags? What were their That concerns? was asked in a lot of different, um, ways, but the basic thing was what did your family think? Yeah. Um... Well, would you like to start with your family? Yeah. Okay. So we had both different experiences. And um, at the church, Carly's family was the only one that was even close. Yeah. All of us, uh, us that came from college to the church, everybody's family lived out of state. Everyone was from out of state or up north or far away. My family was the only family that was local in Orange County, which played a really, really significant part in... Um, our experiences just because I think it made it a lot easier for all of us to stay where we were at the church and stay involved um, because there wasn't a very heavy parental influence on any of our lives. So um, continue. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Context. Um, So my family was all in Colorado. Um, what you have to realize about the situation was that before we went to the church, we were in the Bible study we talked about um, in college. That Bible study actually did a few sessions in Colorado, and the leader of that Bible study was thinking about forming a group in Colorado. During those sessions in Colorado, my family came and was really touched by God, and their lives were dramatically changed, uh, heard God, felt Him in, in different ways, and were really almost like we were when we first mm-hmm, attended the mm-hmm. Bible study, so like, wow, my eyes are open to a real God that's mm-hmm. that's living and moving. And, and they were really current, in, encouraged by really encouraged. like the gifts that God had put in them and felt like they had something to offer and Yeah. So, so that was a big thing with my family is seeing that and then even my brother who was really um brought back into track by God at that time and now is is leading a church and well, a lot of times, say, from that Bible study and from the church we were at is where he really felt like um, God got him back on track and propelled him into his destiny of being in ministry. So all that being said, 
my family looked at me as almost like the, a, a trailblazer. Some people did, I'm sure. Some families thinking like, oh, you're not really. But anyway. <laughs> Some of your, so, your so most they were, immediate I, family. Yeah, I guess they respected me as knowing that I was following God. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some had concerns, but I was so headstrong and stubborn at the point that um, it uh, it didn't really register with me. I was like, look, I'm following God. You know, you've seen the, the fruit of it, um, and that's all you need to know. And they were just far enough away, too, that it, because of the good experiences with the Bible study in Colorado, it kind of clouded their view on maybe a lot of the negative things that were yeah. happening at the church, yeah. too. And they would come to, when they came to visit, they would come to church with us. Mm-hmm. And it was a it church. Was always was a good a, it was a good experience. Yeah. It's not like we were we we're in a compound drinking Kool Aid. You know, it's <laughs> it was a lot more subtle than that. So yeah. from the outward workings, all it looked like was I was serving God, which I was doing in my heart. Mm-hmm. So for a family so far away, that um, I know after we left, there was a lot of people that said that they had concerns. They just didn't voice them, and a lot of it was because they knew I wouldn't listen. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. it, I felt like. We were in a position where um, we were following God and giving Him everything. And something that was brought up a lot was the passage where it says you have to, um, if you don't hate mother and brother and sister and wife and son and daughter in order to follow me, you're not worthy of me. And our pastor never said that about himself, but it was often preached about who God was in our life. And, And I thought, well, yeah, I love God more than anything. And if part of it is I need to cut off friends or I need to cut off family, then then I'm going to do it because I love God. And so that was a, another small manipulation that that takes you away from people and outside influences and makes you think that, you know, your relationship with God is special, which it is. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, everyone's relationship with God is special. He loves everyone as children. So, um, but when you're in, in a almost an elitist section like that and you're the remnant and you know, all that other junk that isn't true um, heart of God Christianity, it it allows you to feel like you're in a place where no one can really speak anything to you. And then when you have family that's so far away, they, they can sense that anyway. So mm-hmm. they're just happy that you're at least following God and, and trying to do His will. And the things that they don't 100% agree with, they don't really see the full um, context of it. So for me, it was... Um, yeah, I think my family has some concerns, but all they saw from an outside perspective was me serving God and uh, and a lot of the good things. It was hard to see some of the other things. They didn't know how much I was away from my family and mm-hmm. some of the struggles we were having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with my family, it was a little bit different um, because they were local. And I think it's also it's important to remember, too, that even though my family was local and Ben's wasn't and everyone else's wasn't necessarily local, um, we didn't share what, they hardly knew anything that was going on. They knew as little as they needed to know (laughs) in order for us to keep a relationship with our family. Um, and I think, I mean, that was really early on. They didn't, I think they asked, you know, questions and we, we were, we gave, as little detail as possible, um, to keep from being questioned. So they really didn't know a lot of the details and a lot of what was going on, which, um, made more sense why we stayed there as long. Cause I think people are kind of thinking, well, if, 
if this was going on from the beginning, like why didn't somebody try to help? And I think people did try to help, but like Ben said, there was like a sense of pride that we had that nobody knew better than we did. Nobody could convince us or tell me or tell us that what we were doing was not right. Um, and I think that's something that's really hard for family now to, you know, oftentimes they'll say like, oh, I wish that we did more. I wish that I said more. And there really, there wasn't anything anybody could say that would have saved us during that time. Yeah. And you got to think too, that 90% of what we were doing was very good. Right. You know, it was, it was the over the top service that, that was a little bit out of whack that was breaking our relationship apart, mm-hmm. you know, because if you look at it from an outside perspective, it's like, wow, yeah, they are doing amazing things mm-hmm. and they're seeing lives transformed. And, and, and again, I just bring it back to, it's not like we're in, in a compound and, you know, in robes and drinking Kool-Aid <laughs> and all this weird stuff. It, you know, we were at a church in LA. It wasn't this over the top, um, outright craziness. Yeah. Which it never is. Like, I mean, manipulation, like, is so subtle in ways. And that's why, again, why we stay there for so long. Um, but back to my relationship with my family, me and my family are super close. And, um, you know, we, we had family functions all the time. And oftentimes Ben wasn't there. He wasn't able to be there because of whatever reason at the time. Um, and I got really good at just kind of just covering up for you. Like, I think it got to a point where you were gone so much and no one knew the extent that you were gone, like from your own house with me. Yeah. Um, They're like, Oh, this one night we're having family get together and can't come. And you're like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, just just another Tuesday. (laughs) But, um, I think it, I, I got good at covering for you. And, um, again, just, kind of shutting the conversation down so I couldn't be asked too many questions. Um, but also always painted it in a positive light because I knew that if, if I made any sort of mention of like, Oh yeah, he works too much or any sort of negative connotation about what you were up to or just anything negative in response to somebody questioning what was going on or even just asking questions, not even questioning, but just wondering, um, I, I knew I couldn't respond. I had to respond positively, um, you know, about all the great things you were doing. And this is why I had to have a reason. Um, because otherwise I knew I would kind of back myself into up into a corner and I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't allow myself to do that because where would I go from there? Really? It would be, it's a total trap. Um, but I think in the beginning though, it was more so like I was proud of what you were doing and, Mm -hmm. and like that verse you shared, it was kind of, we were kind of taught that we were special for being there at that church. And we were so fortunate to have found that church. And there was just so many of us, you know, and not everybody could be a part of it. Um, you know, it did it at one point it became like really exclusive. Um, and, you know, we, we were the remnant. And I remember like real, like being told a lot, like family's just not going to get it and that's okay. It just is what it is. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand the work that you're doing. They're not going to understand that they're not part of the remnant and you are. Um, so I think that's where that pride came from. Like we're just, 
like we we just we know more we have more of God's spirit than you do um so it was it was kind of a it was very much a prideful thing and kind of looking down on other people in our own way um because they weren't experiencing what we were experiencing but eventually it got more just you were gone more and more and i remember you know i was i was working in orange county i was I was catering at the time and it, that was my full-time job as i was supporting <laughs> the the household, um, yeah, which I was, I was totally fine doing. 20 hours a day, but I'm not supporting the household. Yeah. Ben was working longer and harder than I was, <laughs> but actually bringing in zero dollars. So actually negative funds. Ben, ben came home with I'm negative funds. I'm taking money funds. away from our emotional bank. <laughs> as well as physical bank. Um, but, you know, so I would be at my parents quite a bit because Ben would be gone until, like we had talked about, two or three in the morning eventually, and we'll get into what what was causing that. Um, you know, so I was, I was alone all the time. And so I was at my parents quite a bit till late at night, you know, I'd be there till like 10. So, and you know, they would be kind of began questioning, like, you know, where is your husband? Like, why is he not home? And I remember one night my parents saying, you know, Ben needs to be home. This is not okay. This isn't right. Like he shouldn't be gone this late all the time. And you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember feeling so attacked, but so like, you're right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) But my response was, what am I supposed to do? Like not support him? I don't, I don't have that option. So I have to support him. And because I, I remember feeling for so long that I kind of had to live like the double life, like we had talked about, where I knew that there was a part of me that wasn't happy with how things were, but because we were still experiencing so many positive things, I had to just kind of swallow the difficult things because the good things would eventually outweigh the bad things, right? Like that's what I kept telling myself, (laughs) kept hoping for like these experiences from God are like, that's why we need to stay here. That's what makes us so great. But then on the opposite side, these hard, really, you know, terrible things that were happening um, would begin to overshadow. And I remember just feeling like, I don't fully agree with this either, but how can I have a conversation about something that I don't fully agree with when I know that I don't have an option for anything else? I know I can't leave. I know I can't change a situation. So I can't even go there in a conversation of yeah, you're right. Like, help me. Like, I don't know what to do. Like that was not even an option. That wasn't a thought in my mind. So my only option really was I had to stick by Ben's side because I had, I had no other, I had nothing else I could do. And I remember my mom's response was, you're right. Like that's, that's important for you to just be on your husband's side. And that really was the best response that she could have had because I think she knew, and she told me this at one point too later, um, that she knew that in order to keep a relationship with us and a relationship with me, she couldn't push it anymore. Like they couldn't ask questions and um, try to get more answers if they wanted to keep a relationship with us because I think they knew they would eventually lose us if they tried to press. Um, but I... I mean, we kind of have talked about potentially having parents or family um, as our guest 
<laughs> speaker. Well, in fact, that probably will happen. We're going to have some guest speakers at the end. so <laughs> That we'll just talk about some red flags, because I know that our, our families did have some red flags, and a lot of them were the time commitment that... Um, you know, Ben had to the church and been away from his family, you know, long hours, um, and, and, and many more. Um, but yeah, that was my experience with my family. We can, they continued to be supportive and open up their home to all of us as often as possible. I think they felt like if they can get all of us, us meaning the friends at the church, um, around like more normal people (laughs) as much as possible, then, it could maybe help, you know, to an extent, but I think there was always that battle of like, at least for me, like, I love my family. I love the normalcy of being there and around them and around people, um, outside the church. But then, then there was also a part of me that like longed for what we had at the church too, at the time. And then not always, I mean, that, that longing, went away obviously like (laughs) later. Um, but it was, it was a battle of like two different worlds, two different worlds. And I knew that I couldn't fully be in both. Um, and that was really hard. Yeah. I think to any family members who are listening, it's okay. You guys didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You loved us the way you knew how to. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a follow-up question that was asked was um, how do you navigate questions that people brought up? And then what advice would you give people who feel their family or friends might be in a bad spiritual path, mm-hmm. on a bad spiritual path? So I'll start navigate questions. I think the way that we navigate question, navigated questions at the time was just to not listen. Yeah. <laughs> we would listen to them, but then in our own mind say, well, I... I'm seeking God at a greater level, so yeah. I, I get what you're thinking, but you don't. And we understand. didn't do much. Didn't do much arguing in that moment with people. It's not no. like we argued. People, you kind of just like no, nodded not like your we head, to like, oh, listened. You need to come to this church. You don't yeah. understand. It. Just kind of nodded our heads, and you know, in our in the back of our minds, like yeah, 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 like you don't know more than me. <laughs> um, and what advice we give, honestly. Um, it's it's a long process to really come to realization that maybe you're off in a way that you've given your whole life to, Mm -hmm. especially when there's a lot of truth to it, you know? Um, so we've, we've talked jokingly a lot of times just putting together a, um, you know, a manual or a coursework of how do you come back to normalcy? You know, how do you, how do you bring people back to it? Um, and I don't know if there's an easy answer for that. Um, yeah, I think the easy, the easy answer is maintain a relationship with yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cutting people off that you're close with, you have a close relationship with, that are maybe in a bad situation is not the right choice. Now, if if this is damaging to you, and it's, you know. I don't have to get into all of that, but you know the difference between yeah. a toxic, super toxic relationship and and one that um, isn't as toxic, but y- you want to try and help somebody. Yeah, maintaining the relationship is definitely so, so important. And I think a, 
an important thing, and we'll get into it when we when we left the church and started our healing process, is finding some people that have been through similar situations mm-hmm. that can speak normalcy into it. So, um, one of the suggestions I would would give to you is see if there's a way that you know someone's been through a similar situation could speak with them, not in a condemning way. And that's the biggest thing: you never want to, no matter what situation people are in their lives, whether they're sinning rampantly or in in a church setting that's a little bit off, no one really responds to condemnation. Yeah. But they respond to conversation. So what has healed us a lot over the years is people who've been through similar situations saying, look, you're okay. You're not a horrible person. You're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been through similar situations. Look at what God's done. Yeah. So I don't know if that's advice, but... I would say maintain a relationship and then see if there's anybody around you that's been through something similar that could form a relationship with them also. And not Mm -hmm. immediately go in and say, this is what needs to happen, but form a relationship and say, look, we've been through similar situations. Can we talk about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so going on to the next question um, is about spiritual gifts and how do we feel about a charismatic church today. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we believe in spiritual gifts. I think to not believe in spiritual gifts is not to believe part of the Bible, and I believe the Bible is infallible and true. Um, I would say for us in our lives, I believe God to do the miraculous and impossible, and I believe that God can touch and, and is real and in the moment. But I think when we come down to leadership and who we want to associate ourselves with and who we want to um, follow in a way as far as being a part of their church, we look more at spiritual um, fruit as opposed to gifts. Yeah. So in other words, fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self con- self-control, those things are character things. Those things take time to develop. It takes deep-rooted life with God, whereas spiritual gifts, those are an outward expression of what God wants to do to touch His people. And it's a a long, I think, theological discussion when it comes down to it. Like, well, can someone really work in in God and and not um, be right? And yeah, I believe they can. I think the the Bible says God's gifts are given without repentance. In other words, you don't have to be perfect to operate in God's gifts because God loves His people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm being ministered to by somebody who's not right with God and his life is a mess, I believe that God loves me enough that His giftings in that person can still work. A.K.A. our entire church experience. <laughs> <laughs> but God's fruit can't be mimicked. Yeah. There's fruit takes time. Fruit takes character. So I know that's not a, a perfect answer, but I feel like yes, we believe in in the spiritual gifts and we love God working and moving, but I think the the gifts of the spirit are I mean the fruit of the spirit is much more important than the gifts of the spirit because that takes more time and takes real character. Mm-hmm. And the focus is more on God than it is on yourself operating in a gift. Right. <laughs> At the same time, I would be totally fine never attending a church that speaks in tongues again. 
<laughs> and next question. <laughs> um, did we seek any advice or counsel from anyone outside of church about the expectations that we were under um, and everything that entails with that? <laughs> That's easy, no. Yeah. Um, short answer is no. Long answer is <laughs> no. not a chance. <laughs> no, but the reason why um, I think is important kind of goes back to the first question about family and all of that was, no, we thought we knew more than everybody else. So, um, and when things did kind of, when we did question things, I mean, why do you think there was such a fear of asking anybody outside of our church for any advice? Well, first of all, other than like my family, you didn't have any friends outside the church. I mean, no offense, but... Zero. <laughs> and listen, I'm a I'm a small group of friends guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I had some friends, um, you know, my friends that I grew up with from junior high, elementary high school and all of that, um, that I saw semi regularly, <laughs> but you know, again, I knew just I knew how to keep them off my back just enough to appease them with answers if they had questions, but never would I have ever sought them for advice in something because how can you ask me for advice in something that you're not really sure that you believe in um, when you know that you can't leave and you can't change the situation? And I knew that I could never have a conversation with Ben um, regarding any of this so that it felt totally like I'm on my own in this or I'm it's between me and maybe some other women in the church that I would try and seek some counsel. But even that it was, it was really hard to seek counsel, um, and not be considered somebody who was like causing discord, um, AKA a Jezebel. So I, you know, I, I didn't want to be known as somebody that was, causing a ruckus because I wasn't fully on board or having a hard time agreeing or a hard time believing in what Ben was doing or what the church was doing or what was being required of him. So, you know, we, we constantly talked about how it was important to be a submissive wife and all those things. So, um, I could, no one could really fully understand all of the context of what we were going through to give any sort of advice. And I think maybe deep down we knew the advice would be like, that's wrong. <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah. I, I would say that for myself is that there was inconsistency, inconsistencies in my own heart that I felt like, I don't know if I can contradict or yeah. this is contradicting in my own self. Yeah. And there was a, there's a piece of doubt in me and I, I didn't want to give that doubt a yeah. chance to survive mm-hmm. because I'd given so much, you know, like yeah. we'd given so much that it, it's almost at the point where you're just like, well, I, I, there's nothing more I can give. I've mm-hmm. given everything. So if this is wrong, then wow, this is embarrassing. You know, <laughs> like you, there's, there's a part of you that just, yeah, I, I, didn't, I don't think I wanted to hear advice because it would have probably confirmed the deep things in my heart mm-hmm. that I knew mm-hmm. that God was calling out of me. And I think after our time there, we could look back at certain instances in our life when God was really calling and saying, look, this isn't right. But mm-hmm. we we tried to ignore it because it's like, I, 
I got to keep serving God. And even though God's like in the background, like whispering, hey, (laughs) (laughs) this isn't right. (laughs) So I would say that's true for me. Yeah. 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 That's a hard one, though, because it seems like such an obvious thing now um, and something I do in my life frequently now is ask others for advice or let them in on my life. You know, it's the important of community, but, um, I think that's such a tendency of these manipulation groups or whatever you want to call them. Um, we'll call is, them a high pressure group. Yeah. High pressure group. Um, <laughs> is that they, they keep the community that they want you in and you don't really stray from that community. Um, and there were things that we were, you know, told out of, there was just a fear. There was a fear in anything that we would do, um, to be out of line with what the church vision was. And so that made it easy to not want to pursue any sort of counsel or, um, advice from anybody on the outside. Which I think the biggest, not the biggest, but a huge thing of the church always was, you don't want to miss God's blessing or God's best. When being away from it now, you just look at that and think, how ridiculous is that? Is God so small that you could miss his best Mm -hmm. for your life? If you're really trying to seek him. Yeah. Really like that path is so small that you make, you say one thing to the wrong person and you're going to miss God's best for your life. That doesn't seem like a God I really want to serve to the, at this point in my life when I look at it. Why? That just seems ridiculous. Yeah. Um, So we'll go on to the next question. Okay. This is a, this is an intense question. (laughs) Kind of. I don't know. In a world so broken in so many ways, how would you encourage young people that there's light at the end of the tunnel? Good question. I don't know. (laughs) Still in the middle of that tunnel. Um, (laughs) It seems so dumb and simple but I would say God is God um, mm-hmm. it, situations are hard things don't always work out the way we want them to work out and or the way we envision they would work out and sometimes things that we think are great aren't great and things that we think are perfect are way less than perfect mm-hmm. and sometimes things that we think are horrible end up being great the bottom line is if you just hold on to God, you will see some fruit in your life uh, when it's all said and done. And I, I know that that's not a convenient answer and something that <laughs> is, hey, this is a magic formula where it all work out. But I think um, bottom line is God is God. He's, he's sovereign. He's amazing. He loves us. He's omnipotent. And no matter what situation you go through or, or what hard thing you go through, he's still God over that situation. Mm-hmm. And he can bring good from it. And he can bring fruit from the most barren land. And I feel like when we've been through our hardest times, I always look back at that passage in Isaiah that says that he, he brought out rivers in the desert. And I think about the flowers that take seven years to bloom, and they're in the in the desert under the ground, dead. And seven years later, they come up and bloom. Um, and we're still seeing that in parts of our life today. So mm-hmm. it's not like we've we've been through all of that and have seen the revelation of all that. But I think we see pieces of it 
mm-hmm. and it's what the hope I hold on to. Because in the end, I think we had to come, or personally I had to come down to a point in my life where I said, what if everything that we've been through, I don't see something in this life, some fruit in this life from it. And in the end, when we, when we go on and are in heaven, I, I will see God's blessing from it. Am I going to be okay with that? And sometimes I think not, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, some days, yes. Some days, yes. I think the thing that really helped me um, sort of cope with when we did leave the church and our life had felt like it was destroyed and trying to pick up the pieces and begin to heal from things. Um, I think it, the thing that I felt like God helped me with was it, it would have been really easy to be like, how could God have allowed all of this when we were trying to seek him, we were trying to serve him. Um, and don't get me wrong. That question has come up a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but I think what I've chosen to put my focus on instead, um, that has really helped me is, is not that God allowed these things. Cause I think it's, it's such a common thing that people say, like, you know, God allows these things and all things work together for the good, for the good of those who love him. And honestly, I hate that. I hate it when people say that because, it just is sometimes the worst thing to say to people that are currently going through something or have gone through something really terrible and maybe who haven't seen fruit from what they've gone through. But I think what, but what had encouraged me was that not that God allowed all of these things, but God saw me in my darkest and deepest hurts. Um, he saw me there and that felt better to me than he allowed it. <laughs> Um, he saw me, he saw me in pain, um, in the bathroom when Ben rejected me. Um, he saw me when Ben was gone, you know, yet another night. He saw me when I wanted a divorce. He saw me when Ben was broken over all of his things. Um, he was there. He was, he saw me and he was there. Um, you know, and then from there you can still question, but why did that happen? <laughs> but I think when I choose to focus on the fact that he saw me and he hurt for me and he hurt for us and he hurt for um, the rest of us that went through this, um, it, it kind of just helps me get through those those times a little bit easier. Yeah, that was really good, Carly. <laughs> yeah. I've learned some things. (laughs) (laughs) You've learned many things. You're a wise, wise woman. Um, Will you ever go back into (laughs) full-time ministry? Will you ever go back into full-time ministry? Why are you looking at me? I don't know. I'm not going to be a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like life is full-time ministry, so I think that's the easiest way to look at it. I feel like both our vocations that we do now are calling people closer to God and calling the best out of them. And I feel like my my personal life my goal and my vision is to call the best out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't feel like we have to be in church, a church setting for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is, have we been approached by anybody from the former church? What was their reaction? Have you been approached by anyone going through similar situations? Um, well, we, we've, we're, 
I wouldn't say, well, yeah, fortunate that certain people that we went through the church with are still our friends because we were broken together and mm-hmm. we sought God together afterwards. And hopefully those are some of the people we're on as guests later so you can hear a different perspective. Um, and then we've been approached by other people that we were in church with that we haven't talked to in years. And, um, and they've said, this is helping us process and, you yeah, know, be strong. Positive. Thanks for doing this. We haven't had any negative feedback. But the pastor has not yet tried to approach us. <laughs> I dare him to. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's all been positive. Most, mostly people just saying, wow, this is amazing. Thanks for doing this. Mm-hmm. It's helping us process through this mm-hmm. also. Because I think when we, when we did finally leave the church, we kind of all went our own separate ways um, to kind of just really heal on our own. I don't think we knew how to really process anything together post the church. So it was kind of like we just all went our own separate ways. Some people fell away from God completely and are living a completely different life. Others have gone to the opposite extreme. Um, and, you know, others have just kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, and some are, you know, still serving God, um, just in other capacities. Um, but it, it is really sad to see those who have like really completely lost their faith through this. Um, but it, it, it was almost, it was too hard to really keep in touch with a lot of people after we left. Um, I think everybody just needed healing, um, in their own way. And a lot of people moved away. Um, and so it just made it easier for everybody just to not keep in touch too much. Um, but then this is, we've kind of found our way back to some people through this, which has been, um, it's been nice, like years later, like <laughs> with some healing <laughs> to be like, okay, I don't, I don't mind talking to you. Whereas maybe in the beginning it would have been like, I'm not interested in talking to you because it just maybe it represents too many negative things for me right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been mostly positive so far, which has been great. Yeah. And been approached by anyone going through similar situations. We have a couple and I would just encourage anyone who's out there who's going through that or family members are going through, going through similar things, reach out to us. And there's so many different forms of manipulation that, um, doesn't have to be exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, God wants freedom for his people. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I continue to try to live out in my life or believe in is that, um, God calls us to freedom, not to chains. Mm-hmm. Sin chains us, God frees us. And in so many of these situations, you're chained to the church and there's so much fear. And it says specifically in the Bible, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if anybody's operating in fear, they're, they're not operating in God. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's, no, there's no if, ands, or grays about it. It's black and white. If you're in fear, you're not in God. So um, that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. That's, those are most of the questions. There's some that we didn't get to, but I think we will address later. Um, we will address later in our story. And so hold on. If you ask a question to get it answered, trust me, it's coming up. Um, one final question before we get into the final four is, what is Carly's favorite sauce? 
<laughs> or our favorite sauce because I have a favorite sauce also. But go ahead, Carly. Oh, my goodness. Where do I begin? <laughs> I don't even know if there's enough time for this. Um, <sighs> if there was a, a restaurant that was Sauces R Us, I would take <laughs> Carly there and it would be the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> I love oops, I love anything spicy. My mouth is like watering just thinking about this. <laughs> anything spicy. So like a good buffalo sauce, probably one of my favorites. I could eat that with anything. Um yeah, but it's got to be like restaurant quality. I feel like bottled buffalo sauce just doesn't cut it. Um, also love the Tommy sauce from Bear Flag on their <laughs> fish tacos. So good. <laughs> oh, their sauce on their fish tacos, really any sort of like white sauce on a fish taco. Oh my gosh, so good. Those are the two that come to mind right now. What is your favorite sauce? I don't even know, other than ketchup. But. Okay, ketchup. I don't understand how that's even a question. I guess I just don't think of that as like a, that's like a oh, condiment. Yeah, I don't guys, think of it as sauce. Ketchup is a sauce. Okay, and. Ugh, so boring. It's awesome on I mean, everything. I love ketchup, but. Ketchup is awesome on everything. Many needs ketchup on everything. Everything. I did learn, um, in and it. Oh my gosh. To my to my demise, it was probably only a couple years ago that I was stubborn that I let go of my stubbornness enough to know that if Carly cooked me dinner, I should not put ketchup on it. And it took me probably a, a couple years ago is when I first started doing that and saying, "Look, I'm I don't need ketchup on this." You don't need ketchup on your prime rib, for goodness okay, sakes. Okay, I didn't put on my prime rib, but, but if there'd we be went other to things, a steak okay, dinner, you would. No, I wouldn't. But yes, there was what? certain things that Carly would make, and I'd be like, let me put ketchup on it. And I've learned over the years that that's insulting, apparently, to a chef. <laughs> 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 that if they make something, you put ketchup on it. It's super insulting. You just don't do that. It's rude. <laughs> and you don't ask for ketchup at a restaurant, like a nice restaurant <laughs> for your, I don't even know, salmon. <laughs> okay. I'm not crazy. I don't put it on salmon. Well, I've tried it on salmon. It's not as good on salmon. <laughs> <laughs> but I love ketchup. So we'll, that's that's my favorite sauce. We'll get to f- just three quick final four. We won't even have four full answers for you. I don't know if we'll have any answers for you. One is Trader Joe picks. Trader Joe's picks. Favorite Trader, Trader Joe's picks? Yes. <sighs> I've contemplated starting starting a second Instagram just for my Trader Joe's picks because here's what you need to know about me. I am a sucker for new products. <laughs> my friends so true. my friends count on me to purchase the new, newest and latest at TJ's and <laughs> and and give a full review of these things. So, they just redid our TJ's. I'm loving it. However, they don't have a new items section up it's just in yet. The back. No, it's not a new item section. I've, I've asked the manager, and <laughs> they're working the on it. They're working on it because <laughs> you know how they have the new item section, and you can get you can see all of the latest and newest things in one place. So then I'm not having to look for like the seasonal tag or the new tag that they have all over the store for products. So, and yes, I follow the different Instagram accounts, but sometimes, sometimes. Those things don't come into our stores. Other times I've seen things that they haven't seen. So all that to say is I just trust myself over these Instagrammers. Um, But I'm loving the Trader Joe's garlic sauce. It's by the hummus. It's like a hummus consistency. It's good on everything. 
So good. Truman calls it, oh my gosh, can I have some of that delicious sauce? <laughs> Delish, delicious, delicious sauce. sauce. <laughs> um, his other favorite delicious sauce is the maple butter. Oh, yeah. Which he puts on pancakes, which is quite <laughs> delicious. It's like a salty maple syrup, but the consistency of like a peanut butter almost. Um, that's really good, and we are out of it, and they have not had it again since, which he's not going to be happy. Mom, can I have some pancakes with that delicious <laughs> sauce <laughs> every morning, every single morning? Um, what are some other ones? Um, well, you don't want to ask me. I'm like the most boring person. I like the brown rice packets. The frozen brown rice yeah, packets. Yeah, I mean, oh that's gosh, amazing. You're, the worst. you're so boring. But that's amazing. That yeah, that is, that is quite amazing. Oh, um, that, the the chili sauce they have? Sweet chili sauce. Oh, yeah, sweet chili sauce. They have that everywhere, though. Okay, okay can we talk mm. about the cauliflower <laughs> kick for a second? Because this is really starting to piss me off. <laughs> okay, we get it. The cauliflower, it's a great substitute. I get it. However, we need to stop this cauliflower crust nonsense. <laughs> it's terrible, you guys. I don't care if you're gluten-free Whatever. If you have allergies, I apologize. Then go for it. This is not a good substitute. You are better off making your own cauliflower crust with cheese and all of the other ingredients that it it has. But no, it's not good. It's so bad. Stop trying to make cauliflower happen. It's not going to happen. Well, that took a turn for the worst. <laughs> I'm just getting really fired up about this. If I see one more thing about it... Um. Ooh, I, I don't I got really, another one. I and I don't shop at Trader Joe's very often. Carly usually does that. I usually get, I don't know. The salads there are really good. Yeah. Salads um, are good. Yeah, so go ahead. The pie crust. Yeah. And when I say pie crust, I mean pizza crust, the fresh pizza crust, excellent. Yeah, very good. Um they have an incredible jalapeno limeade that we use for margaritas. Can I say that? No. No one has ever had a margarita the virgin <laughs> margaritas in this household. <laughs> Anyways, a jalapeno limeade, a friend told me that's super, super good with tequila (laughs) (laughs) and super salted rim with extra limes. Um, I thought of a couple other things. Um, Their lavender body scrub for the shower is excellent. Smells super good. Makes your skin really nice and soft um, because of the oils in it. I really love that. Um, I've bought that like forever. Um, hold the cone ice cream. <laughs> Super good. I love mostly the um, holiday edition ones, so the pumpkin ginger ones. Pot stickers for the kids. Yes, frozen pot stickers. <laughs> so good. Those are excellent. The frozen mini pancakes for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> they love those, the silver dollar ones. They're so good. Scandinavian swimmers, oh, which are like the Swedish yeah. fish version. So good. Trader Joe's Swedish fish version. Excellent. So excellent. Um, what are some other things? I don't know. Really, almost everything at Trader Joe's. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot that we don't love there. Um, yeah, we're we're going to have to cut that off now because it's, it's just going to go on and on <laughs> if we talk about it. Fine. Um, another question we had was the best Christmas gift we had been given. Um, or gift in general. Gift in general. Um, I'll start because this isn't the best gift I have ever gotten, but it just is a, a prelude to 
um, I guess, our life together is the first time when we were dating and I had a birthday, um, Carly bought me some board shorts. I did? Yeah, board shorts. And because this, you didn't this was significant. <laughs> <laughs> because. Oh my gosh. I'm from Colorado. Listen, I never had a swimsuit. I swam in mesh shorts. That seriously, is. Seriously, that. how did you snag me? <laughs> You're saying like you lived in Colorado, like that made it okay for you to swim in mesh shorts. That's not, I don't care where you're from. That's not okay. So anyway, the only thing I knew is that when you're going to the, the pool, you just put on some mesh shorts and you swim. Oh my like, gosh, what's the big I'm deal? I'm so embarrassed right now. <laughs> so our first, my first birthday when we were together, we'd only been dating a couple months. She got me some board shorts and I remember thinking, I don't understand what these are. Like they don't even have, mesh inside as like a swimsuit and but I thought you know what I'll roll with it um and that is that to me is where gifting has always been for me and Carly is that she always gives me something a little beyond my comfort zone (laughs) (laughs) fashionably and now I would say I'm a very fashionable fashionable person you know and I dress nice but it's mostly because Carly bought me joggers once, and I'm like, eh, what are joggers? And this was years and years ago. I thought, I'll never wear these, and, and then I wore them. There I thought, wow, these are great. Um, and mostly anything that, that I've gotten fashion-wise that's a little beyond um, Abercrombie shirts and cargo <laughs> pants, <laughs> which I wore in high school, oh my gosh. has all been due to Carly, so I think... That, for me, sums up gifts from Carly is that she always pushes me to be better than I was before, especially when it comes to fashion. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the fact that I birthed two sons for you. Those were great gifts. Those were the best gifts that I could have ever given you. <laughs> Those were very good gifts, yes. <laughs> How about you? Have I good ever given you a good gift? <laughs> So I wouldn't necessarily say this is like the best gift you've given me. It's definitely not the best gift you've given me. (laughs) Great. But I think it just represents you so well. It was our very first date and you had gotten me, it was Valentine's Day, um, and you had gotten me, which was very kind that you showed up with a gift, um, dark chocolate, Dove dark chocolates, but they were still in the Rite Aid bag. (laughs) So... (laughs) That kind of represented who you were. There was thoughtfulness in it, but it wasn't fully thought out. And, and it was like there was like a mini teddy bear or something. A gorilla. It was a mini gorilla. I promise you it was in there. Oh, I yeah, remember yeah, the buying little stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So back to my point. <laughs> it represented you perfectly. You you were thoughtful, <laughs> but you didn't you don't fully think through all the way to think about maybe I should take this out of the writing bag with the receipt. <clears throat> so I liked that gift because that's been in a nutshell. <laughs> thoughtful gift and unthoughtful um, bag, I guess. <laughs> in the last one, and this will be the final, I guess, question of the day. We won't do a final four tonight. These are our final fours. It's a different holiday edition. Uh, Christmas movies, I don't know where to start, okay? We love Christmas in this house. <laughs> Um, we love Christmas movies. I will give you mine. Um, Elf, 
the holiday. Muppets Christmas Carol is my number one. <laughs> By far the best Christmas movie ever made. Oh my gosh. It's wow. unreal. I love it. Um, and because of Carly, it's a wonderful life. Yes. Was that and, life? Uh, wait, and Home Alone. Sorry, there's too many. I, <laughs> there's so many more. I know. Anything that's on. So good. There's so many great ones. Um, okay, so my top are number one, It's Wonderful Life. We watched that every single Christmas every Eve Christmas growing Eve. up. Um, that was our tradition. We got in and out burger after Christmas Eve service. We went home, watched um, It's Wonderful Life ever since I was little. Um, I was reluctant to that tradition. And I think probably in the past four years, I've really just grown to love it. So yeah, we well we Thanks didn't do it. Thanks for pushing me. Well, I wanted to do it like when we first got married because it was like you know traditions when you do that you do when you grow up and then you get married and you don't do those traditions. It's, it's like a hard transition to make your own traditions. Um, so that wasn't even one we did. Where we did it in the beginning and then we didn't, and then we got just got back into doing it, um, kind of in the past couple of years. But it's a wonderful life. Absolutely. The holiday, duh, obviously, is so good. Big dollop. That's a big Hello, dollop. Hello, big, big dollop. dollop. <laughs> <laughs> um, love Actually. I just love, it's just so good and sad and all of the things. Um, let's see, what else? White Christmas. Really anything that's musical, love Holiday Inn as well. All the musical ones are yeah, just... you do love those. I love musicals. Love, 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 love musicals. Um, yeah, so those are my top. Those are your top. Those are my tops. And there's so many more. Don't even get us started. Yeah. We'll talk for All the days. Santa Clauses are really good, oh, too. Oh, so good. Yeah. I mean, I'll even watch Christmas with the Cranks if it comes on. And that's <laughs> not even like a great movie, but... Oh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I love that movie. So funny. Yes. So it's good. A Just a classic. It's a classic. Reminds me of everything good about growing up. <laughs> um, we, oh, yeah, you had mentioned Home Alone. We watched Home Alone 2 last night. That yeah. was excellent. You yeah. haven't seen it? You didn't well, think I you'd seen it, yeah, or you just I, didn't remember it? I just it? didn't remember it. Okay. Yeah, I think you just didn't remember it. Um, yeah, I think that's... I can't think of it. I mean, Hallmark Christmas Channel, obviously. <laughs> just, I mean, need I say It's just the worst. Every movie is the same. It's Why just... is it... But that makes it so good. My favorite ones are with Candace Cameron... Those ones are by far my favorite because I feel like she's the best actress in all of these Hallmark channels. Here's what I have a hard time with. No, here's Go ahead, and I'll tell you what I have a hard here's time Here's what I have with. a hard time with. When actors or actresses play in more than one Hallmark Christmas movie, I'm confused at like their character. Like You were Amy in this movie, and now you're so-and-so. Like I just can't get it straight. So that's hard for me. What's really hard for me is that Everyone seems to be set in Colorado. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the Evergreen, this little quaint town. <laughs> or, or I, I don't know, they'll be like, oh, Englewood, this town. No, no, they never say that. But, but the Christmas in Evergreen, you are quite and angry like, about. This is, not, this is not what Evergreen looks like. I'm so, I've been to Evergreen, this is not Evergreen. Like, oh, yeah, they, this mountain town in the middle of nowhere. They definitely painted <laughs> like, Evergreen oh. to be quite Evergreen, amazing. Evergreen is beautiful, but it's not what it portrays there. So, but anyway. that was such a good one, Christmas in Evergreen. <laughs> so good. Um, but that's it. Yes, it is. Well, Happy New Year! It's happy. Ha- it's it's almost New Year's at this point. Christmas is over. How sad! 
So sad. The worst time of Carla's year. Yeah. The Christmas letdown is so real. (laughs) But Happy New Year. Thanks for hanging in there, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Biography. Please subscribe or leave a comment. And if you have questions or want to open up a discussion, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Biography. See you next time.